Welcome to the Weekly Trend, a podcast for navigating the markets through the lens of technical analysis. The Weekly Trend podcast is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute any professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the information or content without first seeking advice from a registered financial planner. Welcome back to the Weekly Trend podcast. Today is Friday, January 27th, 2023. S&P 500 currently sitting at 4070. I'm running solo today. This is David Zarling. Fortunately, I don't have anybody else with me, but it's appropriate because we got guys heading home to their wives. This is being recorded after market close. Ian and Dan spent the week here with us as we had a big week presenting our annual information regarding the market, both 2022 and the game plan for 2023. It was awesome to have them here. We had over 250 guests at this event. And uh, so it was really great to have clients and potential interested clients there learning on our adaptive process, what we saw from markets last year, the game plan for this year. And so uh, Kevin's also going home. Pratty's on his way to a wonderful uh, Friday evening. So here I am. I'm going to do my best to keep you engaged and entertained even though I know it's really hard to listen to the same person talk for 20 or 30 minutes. Believe you me, I got to do the same thing. I got to listen to myself talk. But the reason why we still wanted to put this out is there were some important market developments this week, and it wouldn't be really great to not send something out with some of the things that happened this week that are notable that we wanted to keep you guys up to speed on. Most notably, we saw the S&P 500 reclaim its 200-day moving average this week in addition to breaking what we call a rate of trend. Uh, What does that mean from a shop talk or technical perspective? If you were to connect all previous highs starting from the beginning of 2022, which we now know as an an important mile marker in the market, a market top, when the S&P 500 was back at 4,800, if you take the highs in price, the next high being around uh, 46.30 in March of 22, the next high of 4,300 in August of 22, and then most recently in December of 22, a high currently where we are today as well. And so we've broken that, what we call a rate of trend. We are back above a 200-day moving average. In addition, the Russell 2000 is above a 200-day moving average and the NASDAQ 100 above 200-day moving average. Also to be noted, So when I say above a 200-day moving average, it's important to note directionally, which way is a 200-day moving average? It is declining on all of those measurements. That doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just notable that the past 200 days of price data is still declining on an average basis. But price itself is now back above that. As I mentioned, S&P 500 currently at 4070. The Russell 2000 using something like IWM is currently at 189.50. It has surpassed its December high, still below its August high. Same with the S&P, currently sitting at an important level near 4080. We've talked about that level numerous, numerous times on this show. Not Has not eclipsed, eclipsed its August high. The NASDAQ 100, representing the largest growth stocks, has eclipsed its December high, but not its August high. So not out of the woods by any means. But if you're going to move higher in price, uh, one of the things that we talked about as a team at our presentation this week 
was uh, if we were looking for the bear market and the correction to be finished, what are some things that we'd want to see? Well, we just want to see uh, price stop going down. One of those additional items would be to get above its 200-day moving average. We've seen that across some major indices. We continue to see breath do well. I know Kevin and, and Ian spent some time talking a little bit about breath, but when we look at different measurements of breath, so you got to hang with me now, what is breath? Uh, breath with a D before the TH at the end is really another way for saying participation of stocks, right? When we look at indices, they don't always represent all stocks. It's a market of stocks and not just the stock market. But it's important to go through and understand of different indices, what percentage of stocks are, for example, have a bullish percent that's now in positive. So what I'm going to do is run through some important indices where it's bullish percent is at, and it's it's really representative of what things are in a buy signal. from. So what percentage of items within that indice is on a buy signal using something like a point and figure methodology. And so when we look through all members, when we're looking at, there's about 6,500 6, members in this particular basket. When we look at the bullish percent for all investable members, we're currently at what we would call midfield. Offense has the ball. So bullish percent is in X's. That's a positive development from a, a breath expansion standpoint. The NYSE is also at midfield with the offense having the ball. And that's a buy in X's. NASDAQ, also midfield, a buy in X's. And I'm not saying buy is in like, I'm recommending buying. I'm just saying it's giving the signal that over 40% of um, items within that area are showing positive characteristics. We want to pay attention to that. Breakaway momentum is still in play. We talked about that two episodes ago. That is still something that has not been negated and it can mark the beginning of new bull market legs. Two podcasts ago is about when we started getting a little bit more bullish based on price information and on this breakaway momentum concept. Another tool that we could use for measuring breadth is just looking at, hey, what percentage of stocks are above uh, their 200-day moving average within the S&P or what percentage of stocks within the NYSE are above their 50-day moving average. These are other methods for looking at breath. And right now we see 68% of stocks above their 200-day moving average. So the S&P as an index currently joined 68% of its members above a 200-day moving average. 72% of the S&P 500 is above its 50-day moving average. When we look at the NYSE, we see that 67% of the NYSE NYSE is above its 200-day moving average, and 81% of the NYSE is above its 50-day moving average. And so we continue to see positive breath characteristics. And really, when we do our homework, these breath measurements are one way to look. We can also you know, just look at individual stocks in a list and go through them. So we can look at every single stock within the S&P 500. And one thing the team noticed this week is more and more things are setting up for upside. It's not a guarantee of upside. It's just saying that when you actually do the work, go through each member of something like the NYSE, there are more and more things showing characteristics, let's say breaking horizontal price levels that are showing bullish type behavior. 
One of the things that has been worked on internally here that Pratty Tulsian, who's a member uh, intern with us, has done great work on is just doing a calculation that's based on, for example, the percentage of stocks that are above their August highs. So I'm going to say that again, percentage of stocks that are above its August highs. And so why is August important? When you look across all the major indices, S&P 500, NYSE, Dow Jones, small caps, NASDAQ 100, if I didn't already say it, the August high, which is around mid-August, 12th, 13th, 14th, was a major high in during the correction, meaning it wasn't a high in the market. It was as the market was in this corrective period, it was an important level, a high. And when we look at the percentage of stocks, and I believe this is using the S&P 500, Pratty can correct me through Twitter if I'm wrong on this, but we are now seeing almost 34% of stocks above their August high. So the S&P 500 is not there, but there's definitely a, a leadership group out of this. And that percentage is actually exceeding the December high in that reading. So we continue to see positive breath characteristics. If we were to see a bull leg higher, a move higher in stocks overall, these are the type of characteristics you would see. Again, I'm not, that's not what I'm promising. That's not what I'm saying is going to happen. But the reclamation of important horizontal levels, such as 4080 on the S&P 500, even more importantly, 4180, and this is really going to be a huge level going into this next uh, few weeks, is when you look at the S&P 500 and you look at and study, when did this correction really start to gain steam from a historical perspective? you really need to look at the price action from June of 2022. There's a consolidation period that takes place over a, just over a week that provides a major breakdown below important levels. We are now approaching that level again. It's going to be really key to confirm the thesis of further upside to see us break above 4180 on the S&P 500 and hold and sustain trade above that. So there is a scenario where you know, we're reclaiming important horizontal levels such as the 4180. We've reclaimed the 200-day moving average. You reclaim those. And, the, and the, the way you think is with the binary thesis is if this, then that. Above 4180, we can be a little more aggressive with stocks. And that's something, that's a game plan we communicated to our clients. Again, there are clients. Whoever's listening to this can't use that as a recommendation because I don't know your personal situation. I don't know your financial plan. And so please don't take that as a recommendation. We're all adults listening to this. And if you're, if you're not, if you're, if, you know, if you're less than 16, kudos to you. Please also don't take this as inf information to trade on. But 4180, we could reclaim that, reclaim the 200-day like we have and fail. And that thesis is then null and void. So I don't want to come across as everything is hunky-dory. We're definitely going higher. But if we're going to go higher, these are the things that you would see. This continued breath expansion, continued uh, seeing different individual stocks show up and have positive price structures. We would see breakaway momentum not be negated. We're still at midfield and bullish percent, which means there is potential for more upside. But all again, again, all this is TBD. You know, we do have a scenario. One of the things I'd like to go through is just some of the lunch and learn highlights from uh, this week. And one of the things I'm going to talk about here in a moment 
is just the relationship of international stocks versus U.S. stocks. Uh, you know, for well over 12 years, U.S. stocks have been in favor versus international stocks. I'm going to touch base on that in a moment. But what I want to start with regarding the Lunch and Learn, which thank you to everyone who made it. If you didn't make it, I hope you get to the next one. And hopefully some of this information from this podcast uh, kind of gives you a visual or paints the picture of where we are currently in the market, but also the game plan going forward. Because that's really what it's about. It's about having a game plan. It's not about having a prediction this time of type of year. Many institutions and publications like to come out with predictions on, oh, where's the S&P 500 going to be by the end of 2023? Only good Lord knows where the market's going to be at the end of 2023. You don't know. I don't know. Person on CNBC doesn't know. Nothing on CNBC. Person on Fox Business doesn't know. Forbes doesn't know. Barron's doesn't know. But we love predictions as human beings, and that's why it's done, right? It makes us feel good. If I get a client that says, hey, where do you think the S&P is going to be at the end of the year? I immediately tell them I'm I'm cringing a little bit inside and I, I don't have a prediction for you. I know why you want a prediction. Predictions make us feel good. And I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to manage risk. And there tends to be a full understanding once I go through that process with someone. But we as human beings just love predictions because they make us feel good. We're not really in the feel-good game. We're in the risk management game. And if you're in the risk management game, that means you have to have a plan rather than a prediction to manage assets. And quite simply for us, when we talked about a game plan during the Lunch and Learn, it was about that 4180 level on the S&P 500 being hugely important. We also talked about from compression comes expansion. Basically, since August, we've seen major indices compressing in price. So think of it as a spring-loaded scenario. I have no idea whether the unleashing of that energy is to the upside or to the downside. I'm not really here to predict that. I'm here to have a plan for each scenario. And quite simply for us and for our clients, above 41A, we can have greater exposure, a really aggressive exposure, and below an, an area like 3780, we really don't want anything to do with stocks overall. That's an oversimplification of what was presented, but I just want to kind of paint that picture And really, when you think about the compression that we've seen in price in major U.S. indices since August, it's not a surprise that this compression is heading into a period of time of the next few weeks, because really the next few weeks might provide to be pivotal in the direction of the market over the next intermediate period, which is uh, weeks to months timeframe. And what do I mean by that? Well, we've got really nice earnings season coming up. You know, for example, next week, We have companies like Apple and Google and Amazon and NVIDIA. We have Exxon and Walmart and Facebook, if I have my dates correct, which after I'm after I'm looking at this list, I think if you if I could correct myself, the big ones are Apple and Google and Amazon on February 2nd. I believe on January 31st is Exxon. Facebook also reports on February 1st. I'm not sure the way this is listed on my screen is correct regarding Exxon and or uh, on regarding Nvidia and Walmart. So forgive me for that. But the point being, we have some really big capitalized stocks reporting next week. And the only way you'll really hear us talk about earnings on this show is I'm not going to get into like what their earnings are. It's more about what's the price response to earnings. That's what we care about. So when Apple reports earnings. 
I don't really, you know, if they quote unquote blow estimates out of the water, I'm not really here to tell you about that. I'm here to tell you about what the price response to that is. And if the price response is negative to blowout earnings, that's probably really good information. Because I can tell you, it's not the earnings that are wrong. It's typically the people who do the estimating wrong. And it's interesting to watch some of the downgrades happening from major institutions on stocks. Even though we've seen 20 to 50% correction in some of these stocks, how are we getting downgrades now? A little too late. So what we're looking for is we have an environment where price is compressing from a broad market perspective. We have a big earnings week coming up with some major capitalized stocks. It's really going to be about the price reaction of the broad market because price knows best coming up. So we'll see what the coming days and weeks bring. Somewhat related to that, Kevin took some time to review some seasonality. And before I get too far with that, Kevin just achieved his CMT charter holder status. We are ecstatic about that. He put the work in, passed the test, was reviewed by his peers. He's had a tremendous amount of experience with us here. We are super ecstatic for him. We now have four CMTs on our staff and are super excited about having that capability and talent here at Client First to manage our uh, assets adaptively. He took some time to cover both the 60-40 portfolio and seasonality, the 60-40 portfolio being 60% stocks and 40% bonds. He went ahead and highlighted how it was one of the worst years on record, if not the worst year on record for that type of um, what's called risk parity scenario. The reason why many advisors, not here, but many advisors try to set their clients up in this type of format of 60% stocks and 40% bonds is the thought process that when stocks start to take on risk, meaning uh, they start moving to the downside, typically treasuries and bonds offset that. Last year's environment was quite the opposite. The 60-40 portfolio was not did not do its job according to the risk parity theory. And will that continue? That's to be determined. I could also see a scenario where there's a rebound in that type of portfolio, but it does bring up bigger concerns from a big picture perspective when we know that interest rates and bonds move in 30 to 40 year cycles from 1980 through now uh, or until last year, uh, maybe even the year before, that's about a 40 year period. All the world has ever known is rising bond prices and falling interest rates. So this type of model would do pretty good in that environment, it would do its job from a risk parity perspective, meaning offsetting risk from stocks in a rising bond environment for 40 years. But prior to 1980, that was an environment where bond prices were falling and interest rates were rising. If we're now heading into a new 40-year period, which many asset or many asset managers and advisors have never seen in their lifetime, the 60-40 portfolio now becomes problematic. And so will we get that over the long term, meaning you know, five to 10 years that we see that this breakdown in the risk parity trade, it's very possible. It is much greater than a non-zero chance. There's a small chance, you know, going back to 2018, but now the odds of that type of scenario of the risk parity trade, the portfolio breaking down is severely high. And it's why we don't just plot people in 60% stocks and 40% bonds. That doesn't really make sense under a scenario where the 40% could be falling with stocks rather than offsetting it. Kevin did a tremendous job going back to seasonality, just talking about the Santa Claus rally. That is the five trading days at the end of last year and the first two trading days of this year. 
He also talked about the first five days of January and its seasonality. He talked about the January barometer. Of course, all these come from the work from Stock uh, Traders Almanac, Yale Hirsch, who's tracked all this information. And I'll summarize it like this. We saw a positive Santa Claus rally. We saw a positive first five days. We have we currently are positive in January with two days to go, two trading days to go. And if you get a positive January, you then are in a scenario of having what's called a positive trifecta. So all three of those things line up. And you know, a positive trifecta, all I'll say is from a seasonal perspective, the likelihood of the market moving higher and maybe in a double-digit fashion seems to dramatically increase. Again, the way we use seasonality is not a predictive tool, it's information. So if we see a positive January, we have a positive trifecta on our hands and the market then continues to correct after that point, that would be tremendous information. You marry this with the seasonality of the year after midterm election, is one of the best years in that four-year presidential cycle. No, it is the best year. So this upcoming year, seasonality-wise, being after the midterm election year, before the presidential election year of 2024, this year, seasonality-wise, tends to be the best of the four. Again, we don't use that from a predictive standpoint. We use it with an open mind. We marry it with the other evidence that's before us, whether it's the trifecta seasonality the um, breadth expansion that we've seen, reclaiming important horizontal levels, more setups that we're seeing, um, reclaiming the 200-day moving average on things like the S&P, Russell 2000, and NASDAQ. You combine that weight of evidence and you have to be open-minded that just because everybody's screaming for a recession that we might actually be moving higher from here. I have no idea if that happens. Then on the flip side, Considering all that information, considering all the positive seasonality that's ahead of us, potentially, if we see weakness during what's supposed to be strong, that is information. That is information we want to pay attention to, that the a correction, we could reclaim the 200-day and quickly be back below it, and maybe in an accelerated fashion. So again, it's all about using price to confirm and deny theses. Right now, the thesis of upside has more information checking that box. Will that continue is to be determined. We don't know that. We don't have our crystal ball. But I do know from a game plan perspective, we have a game plan. Like I said, using something like the S&P 500, we can have some aggressiveness above the 200-day moving average, even more aggressive above 41.80, below 37.80. We really don't want anything to do with stocks as the correction would be back. And next week, we have a big noise week, plenty of earnings dates. It's the price reaction to the earnings. There's some dude named Jay, who's also, I believe, talking next week for the Federal Reserve. That's another big noise event. And as we always say, we want to focus on the signal and avoid the noise. So we're going to stay focused on price and the data and the information that's coming in. One other thing to note is that the five-day moving average is above the 200-day moving average on something like the S&P 500. I don't need to add any more information to that at this point. We continue to see strength internationally. I talked about just moments ago, the relationship of something like uh, international versus US stocks. If we use something like VEU, 
which it represents is an ETF that represents all stocks minus US stocks. We compare that versus something like the S&P 500. We are bumping up and right against a rate of downtrend that's been in place for over 10 years. The trade weighted dollar, which has a high or a high inverse correlation to international equities, is currently sitting around uh, 102, 103. If that were to break down using the DXY, if that were to break down, uh, we might continue to see international stocks perform well. However, if it were to find support here, that would pr- probably provide a headwind for international stocks going right into a falling rate of trend. When we ask ourselves the question, is this where we want to be putting new money to work? There's some hesitancy based on the energy put forth out of uh, international stocks so far and how they're bumping up against certain horizontal levels, both on a relative and absolute basis. There's definitely a scenario where more price structure presents itself and we're able to own more international stocks. Some clients might recognize uh, things like Argentina in their account. These aren't large positions, but it is some international exposure. So with that, I've talked a lot. I provided hopefully a great overview, provided some information that allows you to understand that there were some important developments this week. We provide a lot of information at the Lunch and Learn. We hope you make the next one and that the upcoming weeks may have a significant impact on directional price movement overall for the weeks and months to come. So with that, a special thank you to my team and their efforts this week. Gave a lot of adaptive education to prospects. We had our own internal meetings here in addition to presenting the big annual meeting. A lot of work went into this week, and I know the guys are going to sleep well this weekend. I also want to thank everyone listening. If you like this information, please, please, please share it. Give us a high ranking. That helps us get the word out. And you guys have a great weekend ahead. Thank you. Thank you.